Amen. Well, welcome to another episode of For God and Neighbor. You look good today, Colin. Thank you. You you look terrible today. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I do not look good. This is the second day wearing these sweats, and this is my first day wearing this shirt, but somehow I've already got something on it. I don't know. Dude, that's the life of being a dad. That's the, the quarantine dad life. That's the quarantine dad life. <laughs> Not only is it maybe child stuff, it's probably food now mm-hmm. that you're a dad that you're just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely so, do have some baby stuff on me right now. Like, it's just kind yeah. of all of my clothes are yeah. like that now. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. No, no longer can you have sort of like fashion pride. Yeah. You have to be like, I probably have a stain somewhere. Mm hmm. From something. Mm-hmm. I have I have multiple clothes that are stained from coffee, from my children knocking it out of my hand onto my clothes. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, well, that's my life. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep, basically. So uh, if we sound different today, you lovely audience, uh, it is because we are obviously quarantined like the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. But that's not going to stop us from recording. And... Uh, Ugh, I want this to be over. Yeah, I'm so sick of it. I am extremely sick of this quarantine. <laughs> it's so boring. It's very boring. And I want to just hug people. Dude, <laughs> so I tweeted today. I'm so sick of or I'm so excited for this quarantine to be done. It's made me really grateful for my church mm-hmm. and my job and my family and dot 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 hugs question mark. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> like I never thought I would miss hugs, but I do. Like it's just, it's funny because I'm like, oh, I can't touch people. They're dirty. Yep. <laughs> terrible. Mm. It's terrible. Yeah. But anyways, let's get to the point. What are what are we talking about today, Colin? Well, today we are going to be talking about the uh, topic of repentance. Um, we're going to kind of define it, um, maybe clear up some misconceptions about what repentance is. Um, and then we're going to talk about um, the necessity of repentance for salvation. How does repentance factor in, in kind of like, to put it in almost blasphemous terms, the salvation equation? Uh, how mm. does it, what, what role does it play there? So yeah, that's what we're going to be talking about today. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about this because I don't know about you, but I've had a growing sense of, and it, uh, it came most recently from an article that nine marks actually published. Mm. I don't know if you saw, I it. did not see it. Um, but basically it was that they had one of their people on staff. I don't know if they have staff members, but uh, someone re- related to yeah. who nine marks listened to hours upon hours back to back of the top nine, um, or the top. Oh, I, I did remember. see that article. So it was in that article that he listened to the top evangelical churches of today, like the most populous, and uh, basically made observations. And one of the observations was that they didn't talk about repentance Mm. as regards to being essential to the Christian faith, uh, especially in regards to salvation. So um, anyways, that most recently prompted a lot of conversation and um, – I, anyways, I thought it, w- it would be helpful to talk about, so I'm excited to dig into yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what um, what I find is that um, 
there is an increasing amount of people that actually would say outright that they disagree that repentance is necessary for salvation. Like if you were to just post that online into the ether and say, do you think repentance is necessary for salvation? I think you would find a lot of people would say no. Um, And well, repent. The whole idea of repentance is a hundred percent contrary to our culture's way of thinking right now, which is the kind of you do you radical individualism. Mm -hmm. I get to define what's right for me um kind of way of thinking that that is our cultural climate right now which means that the whole the whole idea of repentance is that there's a standard outside of you that you're not meeting and you need to repent you need to turn away from that and and strive to meet that standard right man no that's a good point (laughs) i didn't even think about that but it really is it's the total opposite of everything that's preached to us from culture Mm -hmm. and unfortunately the pulpit um and so on top of that i think i think there's a, a there's a misunderstanding as well when you say uh repentance is necessary for salvation um there there's a misunderstanding of what what is being said when you say repentance is necessary Mm -hmm. for salvation um a lot of people think it um and, and rightly, you know, they, they justifiably so think that it is a work yeah. that needs to be done because that's typically what's going on. You're, you're, you have a heart of repentance <clears throat> about something. You, you don't like something you're, you're asking yeah, for forgiveness. Yeah. Or, you know there is I mean? a, there is so a close connection between repentance and the doing of different works than you did before, mm. which is, which yeah. is why people, it's understandable that they would connect repentance with doing good works and therefore say, well, yeah. then repentance must not be, ha- be a factor in salvation. And mm. when we say yeah, salvation, because... we, we really want to clarify, we mean the justification event. We mean like when God, when you are regenerated and born again, the whole, the Holy spirit makes you a new person. Your sins are forgiven and you are counted righteous before God based on the work of Christ in the cross and in his resurrection. Um, what we mean is that repentance factors into that, to that equation somewhere. Um, that's what we mean by necessary for salvation. That's right. Yeah. And this isn't something uh, that has just been tradition in the church. It is something that is explicitly stated in scripture. So there there are many different places in which it's mentioned, you know, you you might think off the top of your head, uh, Hebrews uh, or the book of Acts, where it's talked about at length, um, specifically, um, uh, Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost. Um, and so uh, what, what are some scriptures uh, that we can look yeah. to uh, that, that talks about repentance? Yeah. So before we get to the actual word repentance, uh, it, is, it would probably be good to look in the Old Testament and kind of see some of its foundations. So, so mm. looking in the Old Testament, um, I want to start in Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah the prophet is talking, uh, speaking to uh, actually Judah, so the southern kingdom, 
uh, speaking to Judah, calling them to repentance. And starting in verse 12, he starts, uh, the Lord, it's the Lord talking through Isaiah. He starts uh, basically scolding them for um, for observing all of these ceremonial things about about the Mosaic law. Like it says, when you come to appear before me, who has required of you this trampling of my courts? Bring no more vain offerings. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and the calling of convocations. I cannot endure iniquity and solemn assembly. So what he's saying there is that there's, they are, what, what the Lord is saying through the prophet here is that it, Judah is committing injustice and committing uh, grave sin all the while appearing before the Lord in the temple, uh, making sacrifices, observing Sabbaths, observing uh, new moons. So in other words, they have all the outward righteousnesses that are like, like the ceremonial righteousness, but their hearts aren't changed. And it's evident by their mm. actions and the Lord hates it. He's, um, mm. He says that uh, he cannot endure iniquity and solemn assembly. So when you have iniquity and the solemn assembly, that assembly just is putrid to God. Um, <clears throat> yeah. He says your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. And so the Lord is saying, because of this, um, because your hearts are so far from me, and it is evident by, I mean, he, you know, your hands are full of bl blood. That's oppression. You know, that's taking of innocent life. Um, and so then in verse 16, the Lord says this, wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes, cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. And here in verse 18 is where it really um, the connection is met for me. Uh, come now, let us reason together, um, <clears throat> says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be eaten by the sword for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And so you see here in Isaiah, you see a connection with the Mosaic law because their repentance is connected to their possession of the land, which in the law, um, possession of the land was um, directly tied to the, um, <clears throat> to whether or not they were keeping uh, the Mosaic law. Um, but, but what we do see here is that the Lord is basically saying, I am rejecting your ceremonial uh, keeping of the law because your hearts are not changed. Repent. In other words, stop, stop doing these evil things. And if you come mm -hmm. to me, um, and I think we can fill in with biblical theology, pleading for forgiveness, mm -hmm. your sins mm -hmm. will be forgiven. 
Yeah. Now, it, yeah. when it says here, wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, it's not saying wash away your sins So, as in the way we think of it. What it's saying is get rid of these evil practices. Um, that's what it, that's mm. what it means when it says that, um, because advocating for it, in what in, in the proof is in the next line, <laughs> remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. That's the proof of it in mm-hmm. the next line. So, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> that, that is an example that we see in the old Testament of, for, of not for, uh, well, yes, of forgiveness of sins, but how that connects to repentance. Um, yeah. So, no, sorry to cut you off. W- w- would you um, then kind of look at this in a contemporary light and say, so this might be akin to someone who maybe said they believe in God and have been going to church as and going through all the um, the, the 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 motions and have basically um, <laughs> basically been lying but haven't had a heart change and so they've been going through the motions Mm. and and showing up as sort of a a way to kind of clear their conscience like yeah i'm good i I go to church i do this but there was never actually true repentance in their yeah it's a tipping of the hat to god is kind of the way i say it god is not pleased when we Mm -hmm. tip our hat to him um -hmm. yeah i think that that's a really good way of putting it josh so uh, the next Old Testament text that I think is really good, we don't need to read the whole thing here, but it's Isaiah 51. This is when um, David actually here re- is, is confessing the sin of him committing adultery with Bathsheba and then murdering uh, her and then murdering her husband uh, to cover up the pregnancy. That is, uh, that's what, that, that was his sin, and this is his, his psalm of confession. Uh, and what he says here, and it's amazing, guys. This is an, a beautiful example of repentance. He begins with a plea for mercy. He says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. First of all, that's bold. The first thing mm. he does is ask for forgiveness. And this is where repentance, turning away from your sin, always begins with God's mercy. It always begins with God reaching out to us. And before we can do anything to mend it, before we can do anything to, to to change it, God is the one who's extending forgiveness. Um, and so the repentance is at the level of the heart here, right? And the outward actions are what's showing forth the heart. So, um, but if, so uh, just keeping on going, we don't need to read the whole thing, but just looking at it a little bit more in verse seven, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. And then here we go. Create in me a clean heart, O God. That's verse 10. And renew a right spirit within me. That, so we see here that David's pleading for forgiveness and pleading for a new, new desires, a new way of living are right alongside of each other. Right. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. Yep. And if we want to do our 
Calvinist tip the hat to <laughs> Calvinism. He was only able to do yeah. this because God burdened him with godly mm-hmm. sorrow that we see in Second Corinthians, I think, um, where which leads to salvation, which leads to asking, being brokenhearted yeah. about sin that David is clearly brokenhearted about here, um, but recognizing that he was in rebellion. Yeah. And needed to be reconciled. That's exactly right. And so from the Old Testament, we can see um, that repentance is a, it's a confession of your sin, right? Uh, it's a plea for forgiveness mm. and it's a desire to change is, I think is mm. what it is. And when all of those things are together, what you're going to see is new actions. You, what you're going to see is good fruit and good works are going to be coming from that. <clears throat> Right, right. They're evidence of that's of exactly that right. And so, uh, and so, moving into the New Testament. So, in the Old Testament, you might so a lot of translations do use the word repentance, but a, a lot of times that's going to be a translation of a Hebrew word that means to turn or return. In the New Testament, you have a specific word that actually means repentance. It's uh, it's metanoia. Mm. The verb is metanoeo. And the first time that we see it in the New Testament is in Matthew 3, 2. It's the verb, metanoeo. Uh, and in Matthew 3, 2, um, it's John the Baptist speaking. And he says, uh, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's the first time we see it. Mm. And so we see repentance connected mm-hmm. with the coming of Jesus, right? Uh, with Jesus right. bringing God's kingdom Uh, And, you know, we know that when Jesus returns, that's when he'll really finally and fully bring it. But, you know, at his first coming, he has brought it uh, spiritually in um, so many ways. And so the kingdom of heaven is like right on the doorstep here. And and John is saying that we need to repent um, uh, because of that. Um, So and then we see it again in Matthew 4, 17. Uh, Matthew four seventeen here. Uh, yeah, it, it's right after Jesus's baptism and he begins his ministry. Um, it says, uh, from that time, Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So we have Jesus doing the same thing. Uh, again, we yeah. see repentance uh, again, moving on to the gospel of Mark. Um, chapter one, verse 15. So I'm just turning in my ESV here to chapter one, verse 15. It says this. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. So repenting Mm. of your sins and believing in the gospel are apparently two sides of this one act of now beginning to follow Jesus. Um, And and so that's how you see uh, this is the introduction to the ministry of Jesus in the gospel of Mark. So apparently repentance and belief in the gospel is what is characterizing his whole ministry. Um, And now Mm, uh, moving on to the gospel of Luke uh, and we're going to spend, we'll probably spend a little bit of time in Luke today because Luke is, like, this is one of the main themes of the Gospel of Luke. Uh, but anyways, uh, Luke chapter 5, verse 32. 
So looking in Luke chapter 5, verse 32, um, this is actually the call of, of Levi, um, and we will, let's just go ahead and, uh, Levi, we, most of us know him as Matthew. Let's actually just start in verse 27. It says this, and after this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house, and there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance." And so we see here in the Gospel of Luke, um, chapter 5, we see a beautiful illustration of repentance. What is it? It's that Jesus is reaching out to, to Levi. Levi did not start doing good works. He didn't start being good to earn the mercy of Jesus. Jesus comes to him and offers him, essentially now we can see, you know, looking back, full forgiveness of all of his sins a transformed life mm-hmm. without mm-hmm. any righteousness mm-hmm. to offer. None, nothing. Right. Levi has nothing. He's an extortionist right. and a liar because that's what, that's what tax collectors were in the first century. That's why they call him a sinner, tax collector and sinner. Um, right. And, and Jesus comes and offers him full forgiveness in a new life and repentance happens inside of Levi and we see that when he gets up from his booth and follows Jesus mm-hmm. that is yeah yeah so we can we I, I I think we can draw then to what I think you're alluding to two observations from this particular passage one that there isn't a credentialing that needs to be done Matthew yeah didn't qualify for yeah this <laughs> for Jesus calling him. He wasn't a great guy. Uh, that Jesus mm-hmm. was like, oh yeah, obviously, like yeah, come on, dude. He was terrible. So there isn't any credentialing yeah. or any any sort of pre work that he did to make it so that Jesus called him. And additionally, Jesus just says here, I have not That's come right. to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. He 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 didn't say to repentance and faith so just because he doesn't say faith here doesn't mean that's yeah. not outside of what salvation is. and so the same can be said on the flip side just because faith is mentioned uh in john um john 3, oh yeah uh, mm-hmm. when he's talking to nicodemus john 3, john, yeah. 2, um, john 3 just because repentance isn't mentioned doesn't mean that repentance isn't. Yeah, that's uh, exactly, and that's so important because one thing that you do see in um, in John chapter three is you see the the spirit moving on people. the The wind blows where it wishes. Uh, you you hear the sound of it, but you mm. don't know where it's going. Right. So it is with everyone who is born right. of the spirit, born again, born from above. the new birth is mentioned and um, that new birth is going to contain within it repentance. The the new birth Mm -hmm. um, is mentioned in John three. And we all, we know from the gospel of John and from the rest of John's writings, and we'll probably get into first John in a little bit 
that repentance absolutely there's no such thing as an unrepentant christian an unrepentant christian is called a non-christian that's what that's what an unrepentant (laughs) christian is it's a non-christian so yeah Yeah. and and you can really see that this is the last like kind of proof text i want to get to and i always say proof texting is dangerous but if you're doing it contextually it's okay um in, in, in the Gospel of Luke, it, this is the last proof text I want to get to in the Gospel of Luke. It's Luke twenty four forty seven. This is uh, Jesus. He's already resurrected. Um, and he's talking to his disciples. And starting in verse 44, he says this. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. First of all, Holy moly, that's amazing. So, okay, moving on. Uh, then he right. opened their minds to understand the scriptures. <laughs> so cool. Another so holy cool. moly, amazing. Uh, verse 46, and said to them, <laughs> thus it is written. In other words, this, this is what's written. Uh, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins. Repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. And um, one thing that uh, the ESV notes is that some manuscripts even have repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations because we see in Acts 2.38 and in... um, and in a lot of other verses in Acts and also in the Gospels in the uh, baptism of John, that it's repentance that leads to the forgiveness of sins that they're proclaiming. And so mm-hmm. it, it's it's mm-hmm. honestly an incredible thing. And, and you see it in Acts eleven eighteen as well. Uh, the book of Acts is basically all about repentance. I mean, not all about repentance, but there's a lot that's there about repentance. Um, Yeah. And and this is in the, uh, when Peter, this is in the section where Peter is reporting to the, the, the Jewish church that the Holy spirit had fallen on Gentiles as well when they heard the gospel and believed. Um, And they're kind of shocked at it. And this Mm. is their response. Then to the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Mm, and, mm-hmm, and what mm-hmm. do they mean by that? Yeah. They mean the repentance that's led to salvation, to their receiving the Holy Spirit, the forgiveness of sins. They're, they're born again. They're regenerate now. They, it's everything. Repentance that leads to life. It, yeah. 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 Yeah, it's a repentance of 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 not believing in God and being um, uh, uh, I, I read one author saying mm. abhorring their their past mm-hmm. uh, life that rejected Christ. And so that's what they're repenting of, not repenting of every single sin yeah. previous to this. But repenting of not believing in Christ and putting him, and I said this to you earlier when we were talking about this, is, is in actuality what you are repenting of mm. is idolatry. That you have put anything in your life above God. So previously you didn't believe in God or 
decide that he was king over your yeah. life. God hadn't called you. Uh, and so you put yeah. a number of things ahead of yeah. him, probably everything. And this, I think 1118 shows us that you have to repent of yeah. idolatry. And now you are putting Christ as the supreme thing in your life above all, which then also leads to the point you've already made that this becomes a pattern. Yeah, for your and, life and dude, that, that that's where a distinction we do have to make this distinction, uh, where the first time you repent as a Christian is not a repeatable act in that in, and here's what I mean by that. Cause some people are going to call me a heretic. Um, <laughs> uh, the first time you repent, it's like you said, you're repenting of idolatry. It is a whole paradigm shift. It is a whole, it is a completely new heart you're being given. And it is um, a change of the whole life. So you're not listing your sins to God. And saying, I'm sorry for this one. I'm sorry for this one. I'm sorry for this one. Um, what's happening is you're right. saying, God, I have been living my whole life in lawlessness as a slave to Satan. And I have not been mm. um, serving you and worshiping you. I've been thanking you. It's my whole life. Everything I've done is sin. I haven't done anything but sin. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's what you're saying the yeah. first time you repent. Yeah, right. and the whole, it's like Luther says in the first of his 95 theses. And if you haven't read them, you should totally read them. They're really interesting. But the first one is that uh, he says, when our Lord said repent, and it's in, in Latin he says do penance, but he means repent. Um, he, he meant that the whole life of a Christian should be one of repentance. That's what Luther says. And he's 100% yeah. right. Because not only is the whole life one of repentance, of turning away from sin and trusting in Christ, but even when we do sin in ways that are like brought to our attention, we, we do have like a formal repentance that we do. We, we have a Psalm 51 moment where we take it to God. We say, we've sinned in this way. Forgive me. Give me a clean heart. And we should, you know, be taking it to fellow believers, confessing it to them, asking for prayer, those sorts of things and accountability. That's right. So, but right. that is a, there is a difference though. There are similarities, but there are big differences between the first time you repent and the results of that in every mm. other repentance that um, you have throughout the Christian life, because one of them is a repentance unto life. And the other is um, God, the, the sanctifying work of God by the Holy Spirit. They're, they're the same in a lot of ways in that, you know, it's, they're both a turning away from sin. Mm -hmm. but, um, but they're yep. different yep. in that you, the paradigm shift of I now want to follow Jesus, I, the, yeah. that kind of thing, that conversion it is something that happens once. Yeah. And, and so they're, they're both similar in that they both are an obedience to God. So if God has called you and broken your heart over your sin and revealed himself to you, you are being obedient in repenting and believing to that calling in the same way that after that initial repentance, that change of your heart, 
God says, be holy mm. as I am holy. Mm. And so this is an obedience to God again. So they're both, they're, they're the same in that mm. they are both obedience to, to God in that you're, you're, you're repenting, you're ch- changing your mind, deciding I don't want this. Uh, and th- mm-hmm. So they're the same <laughs> in that they're the same word, um, but they are different mm. in what they are obeying, if that makes sense. So they're, you're obeying God in the initial repentance of, I no longer mm-hmm. want anything else but God, and I don't want my sinful life in this. And thereafter, it's repenting and that you are obeying what God has said to be holy and pursuing uh, holiness as he is holy um, and and being obedient and showing that, yeah, you had that initial repentance uh, as First John talks about. So that this might actually be a good yeah, yeah, let's transition take a look at 1 John. to that. So um, let me see here as I pull it up. So First <clears throat> John talks about it at length. And actually you uh, – you you mm. uh, are more familiar with First John as you I preached did. through a good portion of it, but I I most recently uh, read it, um, and particularly First John one verse five right. it starts talking about walking in the light, where it says, "This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him." While we walk in darkness, we lie mm. and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, mm. cleanses us from all sin. Um, and it goes on to to argue that point for a few more verses. Um, but I, I so I think. It's it's good because we could we could talk about at length the initial repentance and talk at length about the life and heart of repentance after you believe in Christ um, after you're saved. But um, I, I'll say this because I have I did have a recent conversation with someone via social media, um, and and basically the gist of it was is that you will know people by their acts that they had that initial repentance. So if you're living a homosexual lifestyle, you know you don't have a heart of repentance now because that's a sin and that therefore means you didn't have likely yeah. a heart that that initial repentance from the get-go. And so though it's it's dangerous ground to say or though it's a, a sometimes a slippery slope to say that person wasn't saved to begin with, or that person isn't saved now. First John is indicating. Yeah. So yeah, you always have, I mean, you always have to leave room for God can do things that I can't imagine. Right. So, so that, you know, whether, you know, that homosexual person who's living in a homosexual lifestyle, they may be feeling conviction for it. And it may be that down the road, the Lord brings them out of it. Right. But what we cannot say is that we know that they're saved, right? Because the the Lord has made it very clear that he does not let his children remain in iniquity, live in iniquity. Mm. So there, Mm. this is a helpful biblical distinction between we, we sin, right? Everyone sins, even Christians sin in living in sin. And in first John itself, it actually makes that distinction. 
So, uh, so in first John chapter two, verse one, it says this, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And then it says this, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the father, Jesus Christ, Mm. the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. That that's beautiful right there is forgiveness for our sins in Christ. And he's saying, look, there's a provision because we all sin, but then look at the very next verse. And, and by this, we know (laughs) that we have come to know him. If we keep his commandments, that's and so this is an important right, distinction right because in the roman catholic church there is a threshold of righteousness you must meet in order to be in what's called a state of mm. grace and it, and that threshold of righteousness is constituted mm. by you're not committing these uh, certain mortal sins right um in biblical christianity it is right. not that there is a threshold of righteousness you must meet to be in christ but rather that once you are in Christ, there is a trajectory of your life that you will see from wherever you're starting, your trajectory is going to change. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's not that you, there's a bar you yeah. have to meet. It's that you become a new species. You're right. not the same person anymore. You are a right. new kind of human, which means you're going to do new things. You know, if if a cat gets transformed into a dog, yeah. they're not going to keep meowing for long. <laughs> they're going to stop trying eventually, and they're going right. Uh, th- I mean, maybe that's a bad right. illustration. It's a silly one, but y- that's kind of what I'm trying to no, say. No, no, that's you perfect. become a new no, that's... creation. Right, right. You don't want those things anymore. And in our membership class for LBC, our church, LBC. Uh, something our pastor says is that yeah you we're still sinners (laughs) we don't become these sinless creatures we're still sinners the difference is Mm -hmm. is we're repentant sinners and so we don't we're new creatures so we don't want those things anymore so if it comes to our attention we don't want to uh participate in that so um let me pose yes this question to you and we'll, I'm, I'm posing it to both of us. What do we say about someone who is struggling to mm. kick a particular sin? So, um, for example, yeah. uh, pornography. Someone who is a Christian uh, per, or, or confesses to be a Christian, but has struggled with pornography for uh, years and can't kick it. Um, what do what do we say in regards to uh, that's a dude? That's such a good question, job? and it's such a relevant question too, because that's something I've met. I've met people that I mean, yeah. I, I've had people that I've worked through this exact question with. Of you know, I'm addicted to pornography. Am I going to heaven? Basically, is kind of the question. Um, and so, right. And, 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 you know, that's not a straightforward yes or no question. <laughs> like, um, but, but here's what, here's what we mm-hmm. want to say. Certain, it, it, this again is a helpful distinction between, uh, you know, uh, more reformed Protestant theology and Roman Catholicism in that if you, you know, I'm, it's a little bit foggy ever since the second Vatican council, but if you are not in communion with the Holy mother church, 
then you are not saved. Extra ecclesium, nola solace. Outside of the church, there is no salvation, which means that there basically, if you're cut off from communion with the church, there's no chance, right? But this is where we have to say, look, what right. when we look at someone who is in sin, we cannot say with a hundred percent certainty that that they are not regenerate and that the Holy Spirit's not drawing them back. What we can say is that we can't know that, and, and, and that there's no sign yeah. of that right yep. now. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's why John said to the Pharisees when mm. they came to be baptized, "Bear fruit that is consistent with repentance, and then I'll baptize you." Right? Because the, mm-hmm. no repentance was visible. We can't. There's a lot of invisible work yeah. of God that goes yeah. on in people's hearts that we can't see. Um, and it's not up to us to make those judgments necessarily, yeah. but there are certain things that we can say, look, you right. are not living a life that's consistent with a Christian. And therefore I'm going to assume you're not. Um, now, so with your specific mm-hmm. question, we're with a life that, so um, bringing it kind of down to an individual level, if I'm talking with someone who's a Christian and they have come to me saying, I'm addicted to pornography, I'm trying to kick it, but I'm just struggling. At that point, I'm already assuming that they're repentant because they're taking it to me. They obviously want it gone, mm-hmm. right? Well, okay, obviously, they probably want it gone. Yeah. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. they're recognizing that this recognizing. Yeah, that this you is want to approach it a wrong with behavior. The assumption that they are repentant, that they really want change, right, in their life here, and that's where you start to work with them. You start mm-hmm. with the gospel. You start with you have been forgiven of all of your sins through the cross um, because you are in Christ. That means no charge can be brought against you, and you just lavish the gospel on them. You lavish grace on them. And, um, and then you say, and now because of that, because of the gospel, you have been given the ability to, to, uh, fight this. So let's think of ways to do it. And you know, your perspective on them might change as that goes on, because you might say, Hey, here are some Mm -hmm. ways that you can kick it. And it might be that every, um, every means of grace you give them to overcome this sin they find an excuse to not make use of it, right? They find a reason not to get the, not to turn off their browser on their phone, or they find a reason not to get covenant eyes. They find a reason not to stop watching, you know, their pornographic TV show. They find a reason, whatever. Um, and it becomes evident that they have no intention of repenting. At that point, you can take it to them and say, look, these are the fruits of repentance that I see in scripture, and I just don't see it in you. And I really think you should examine yourself to see if you are in the faith. You know, you don't want to start there. Right, right. But you might have to get there. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that 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 brings out two two observations one most importantly yeah is that we don't graduate from the gospel that even if we are saved or profess mm-hmm. that we are saved we still need the gospel and 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 we still need to preach the gospel to uh fellow christians 
additionally, we, we need mm-hmm. to preach the gospel to people who aren't Christians. <laughs> and so we, we, we do this. We, we don't move on from the gospel. We still need the gospel. And that's the answer to situations like this. So if someone is continuing in sin and say that, and they are professing Christ, but they are continuing in a sin, the gospel is the answer. Want to know why? Because regardless of if they are actually sinned or not, yeah, that's right. And that's going to, and that's going to give them, you know, so I have always said like the people who are the boldest are the people who are most sure that they're forgiven of their sins. You can do really gutsy things. If you're a hundred percent sure that your sins are forgiven. Likewise, you will make you will do yeah. gutsy things for repentance if you're a hundred percent sure that your sins are forgiven. Um, in that, mm. yeah. So okay, so, so um, a recent <laughs> example, someone who will remain uh, nameless, but they uh, they recently spoke to me about how um, the Lord had just drawn so near to them lately and they had been convicted, convicted of an addiction to pornography they had, and they, they got covenant eyes on all of their devices um, or, or all, all of his devices. And, uh, but he found one device that he could not get covenant eyes on. Right. This guy is so blown mm. away by the grace of the gospel. He destroyed it. He literally broke it in half and threw it in the garbage because he knew that that was going to be an avenue of repentance and he, or not of repentance, an avenue for sin. And in worship to God and Mm -hmm. thankfulness and the power that he felt through the forgiveness of all of his sins, he got rid of that thing. (laughs) Those are, you know, that, that's a recent, that's a a days ago. He told me about that. And so it's, that's, that is yeah. an example of what yeah. it looks like when the Holy Spirit really grabs someone by the collar, right? And, and they've got a hold on their life. So, wow. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really good. Um, let me, let me say this as well. That second observation uh, is that. We are called as yes, Christians yeah. mm-hmm. to judge mm-hmm. other Christians, and we can prove it. <laughs> um, Matthew seven. Funny. We can. It's yeah, yeah. That's right. That's exactly right. And, and you know, it's worth mentioning that there are uh, seemingly contradict. And this is a little bit of a rabbit trail, but there are seemingly contradicting. Um, things from Paul that says, don't judge other Mm -hmm. Christians, but also judge other Christians. Um, But, um, but, but the the bottom line is, is don't Mm -hmm. judge other Christians for sins you are currently in. So if, um, uh, yeah, yeah. So let that be what it may, but it's, it's part of what we're supposed to do as Christians is to call, man, that's a hundred percent. That's a hundred percent true. And when Jesus says, judge, not lest you be judged, what what he g- goes on to say, um, it's clear what he means by that is do not um, scold someone and act as though you have a, a right to stand over them somehow when you are committing the very sins they are. Right. Uh, and so he but then he says, right, right, right. <laughs> this is in Matthew seven. Uh, then he says in verse five, you hypocrite first take the log out of your own eye. That's his metaphor for having a sin in your own life 
and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's mm-hmm. eye. So he, he like he's saying, look, if you your brother has a speck right. in his eye, like you should want to be able to take it out, but make sure you get the the two by four out of your eye socket first. <laughs> it's that's right. That's right. right. Examine right. your be life. Slow first. to judge. Yeah, and use right and use use the the maybe the polling that God has on your heart when you see someone else's sin of like, Oh man, that guy needs to repent That's to look right. at your own life and say, Oh wait, do I, what do I need to repent of? Um, and so, yeah. So the, the, yeah. So we're, we're called to bring each other to holiness and to, to, um, to call out sin. Um, so uh, did you, did you have anything more to say on that? I've got a couple, I've got two questions for you. I, I kind of put out on the, yeah. Okay. Webs, I'll say this one some, thing, some back and I wanted to uh, the gospel of Mark chapter eight verse um, verse 34 in calling the crowd to him with his disciples. He said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life Mm. for my sake and the gospels will save it for what does it profit a man? If a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul for what can a man give in return for his soul? And so in this, in, in, in the context, Mm. he's taught, this is Jesus's response to, to Peter rebuking him for saying that he was going to go to the cross. He was going to go to Jerusalem and get killed. Peter's like, uh, nope, not happening to you, Jesus, and says, actually, yes, it is happening to me, and if you want to be my follower, it's going to happen to you too. You better get right behind me. So that all of that just to say, wow. Jesus yeah. never intended to, to have easygoing followers who, who don't count the cost of what it means to obey Jesus. He said... If you want to follow me, it's going to wreck your life and you'll find, and you'll find true life. In the yeah. End. Yeah. Repentance is hard. Yeah. So anyways, yeah, that's what, that's kind of what, wow. that's just what I wanted to say. It's worth it. That's good. That's good. Um, so let me throw this on you. The first one is a little lengthier um and the second one <clears throat> is a is a smidge shorter so um this comes from one of our fellow church members uh taylor love you taylor um you just had a baby this <laughs> he says this might be an elementary uh question but here i go is what is needed for salvation the same as what is needed to be affirmed uh, a, a Christian hmm. doctrine is gospel and doctrine one and the same. Um, and then he quotes R.C. Sproul: "Can a person deny <laughs> biblical doctrine?" E- and be e- saved? I mean, so it depends on the doctrine, right? Um, if you are denying the deity, of, right, I mean, right. so we have certain things in the Bible that say you cannot say this and be saved. So Jesus says, um, "Unless you believe that ego me that I am." you will die in your sins. And it's clear in the context that he's talking about his deity. Um, If you deny the deity of Christ, you will die in your sins. Um, Galatians uh, chapter five. Paul says, if you are trying to be justified by the law, you have cut yourself off from Christ and fallen from grace. So if you think that your righteousness 
contributes right. to your right standing with God, you cannot be saved. Um, uh, there right. are other things right. like that in, in Scripture. So, I mean, there are going to be some essential teachings you have to believe. The resurrection, the cross, that Jesus was mm-hmm. fully man. You see that in First and Second John. Um, actually, yep. interestingly, we don't quote from Second John very often, but it's it's a good book. Um, <laughs> um, uh, that that uh-uh. Jesus uh-huh. was fully divine. We see that in the Book of John. Um, denying the Father, denying the the Spirit, right? Blaspheming the Spirit. Um, the these are things. So denial of the Trinity. Um, there are certain things that that mean you 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 are not a christian and and really what it simply means is that if you're believing these things it really means that you you don't you don't believe the real gospel and yeah and so i what right. i would say is right. there are certain doctrines that you must believe those are core and then there are doctrines that are i don't yeah. want to say yeah they're secondary exactly cuz i i would hesitate to say anything god's revealed is secondary but they are not so for example i'm a young earth creationist paul didn't get to mars hill in Acts 17 and um and and start preaching young earth creationism (laughs) he preached jesus in the resurrection um, right. even yeah. though I think young earth creationism is, yeah, is right. biblical mm-hmm. yeah. and it's, uh, important, it is not the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. So that's what I would yeah. say about that. Yeah. Right. Be- because biblical, biblical doctrine is basically taking mm-hmm. biblical truths and putting them in our own words. So if, if you have, if you have. Uh, fundamental biblical truths that are communicated, namely salvation, the deity of mm-hmm. Christ, uh, his death and resurrection. Mm-hmm. Those are, those are necessary doctrines uh, to have to be saved. But I think you're absolutely right that there mm-hmm. are doctrines that you could deny um, and still be saved. Um mm-hmm. And, and there, there are, and that's where we get a lot of the different yeah. denominations. Another one is um, the real bodily second coming. Evangelicalism. That's so. in, uh, um, Paul, Paul in talking to Timothy says that some have said that the resurrection mm. of the dead has already taken place. Um, and, and he says that they have made shipwreck of their faith yeah. and denied the, and they basically, they, you need to exercise discipline on them because they have, they've denied the faith if they've done that. So, yeah. Yeah. Somebody's probably already done this, but we should we should collaborate and make a list of yeah, biblical like non-negotiables. You have, to, <laughs> you have to have you can't deny, you know. Non-negotiable and what it is is basically just yeah, taking what yeah. the Bible says is non-negotiables mm-hmm. and say, yeah, you know, exactly. <laughs> you can't deny these. So, um which essentially has been done by other people, but um yeah okay so and this is the other one uh kind of kind of short and we've touched on it a little bit already and so we can close with um just making remarks about this but um does repentance mean to apologize so when people hear the word repentance um 
one of the correlations they may be making in their mind is, okay, I just need to apologize for this. Mm. Okay. So um, there are two ways it? that you can use the word means to, right? So I could say to be a Christian means to submit to the governing authorities. What I mean by that is that Christians ought to be doing that. It, it should be characteristic of a Christian. Is that the definition of a Christian though? No. That is not the definition mm, of a Christian. That's really good. Um, right. That is one part of the Christian life, submitting to governing yep. authorities. Um, what I could say is to be a Christian means right. to follow Jesus. Those are actually synonymous, right? A Jesus follower and a Christian, those are interchangeable. Um, <clears throat> so does repentance yeah. mean to be sorry or to say sorry? Um, it does in the sense that that's going to be one aspect of repentance. Um, and, and depending on what you mean mm -hmm, by sorry, mm -hmm, yeah. it could, you could encompass all of repentance in it. If by sorry, you mean you are truly sorrowful and you see, and you are seeking restoration yeah. and, um, <laughs> forgiveness of your sins in that. And that's what you mean by sorry then yes. But if by sorry, you mean like mm -hmm. you're apologizing um, and you are just saying, like you're kind of trying to placate God in that, like you kind of say, okay, sorry. Um, right. Right, right. Like when you're, when, when my kid <laughs> yells at me and I yeah, go, exactly. oh, no, and then he does yell. it again you two minutes later. That's not, sorry. <laughs> that's not, that is an example of how you can be sorry, but not mm -hmm. repentant. Right. Um, and this is actually a distinct, I forget what the Correct. exact distinction is, but it's, um, oh yeah, no, I remember what it is. It's the difference between attrition and contrition. Attrition is you are sorrowful out of fear okay. of punishment contrition is you are sorrowful mm, okay. out of um true repentance and you feel sorrow that you sinned at all um and, and that's kind of the that there's kind of a difference yeah. i think both mm. are actually good uh i think part of the fear of the lord is fear of his wrath yeah. um i think that's part of it that's not the whole of it but i think that's part of it like uh, a real healthy fear there but um <clears throat> so yeah i mean it kind of depends on what you mean yeah. by sorry right, right. And sorrowful but um I, I would you'd have to have that's a right and, and i think that repentance does sung. encompass also a plea for mercy because you see in um not you see in the parable of the prodigal son in Luke 15:11 through 32 and in the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector in Luke 18:9 through 14 you see that they are repenting and part of their repentance is their their pleading for mercy from the one they wronged that's exactly right. And so part mm -hmm. of repentance Which we see David is an as anticipation well. that the one you are repenting to will forgive you. And so that's part of the repentance. Isn't and Paul actually right. Right. man makes a really insightful distinction in I think it's first no, it's second Corinthians. In Second Corinthians 
seven, I think. Um, I, I don't have it pulled up right now, but he, he makes a distinction between godly and ungodly sorrow. He says ungodly sorrow. Yeah. And ungodly sorrow mm. yeah. leads to death. Uh, seven ten. So basically that would, that this is what characterized me before I was converted. I was mm. really sorrowful over my, um, my lust and my self-righteousness and the lies I kept telling and the double life I was living, but, but that didn't lead to repentance. I just hated myself. Yeah. Mm, mm. Oh, I see. Yeah. It was just, it was just, um, yes. Uh, oh, that's exactly right. That? Like and, false humility uh, but godly sorrow is a sorrow over my sin that knows God will forgive me. It is it has a rock solid anchor in the cross. Yeah. Where yeah. where God um and Paul makes this point in, in Romans mm. 2 that God's kindness is meant to lead us to repentance. And so godly sorrow and godly repentance is begun yeah. by God's kindness. You you encounter the mercy of God first. And then repentance comes and then faith and, and all of that. And then that's the, you know, justification that's yeah. Right. Yeah, that's right. John six forty four. That's right. Talks about how no one can come that's to right. me unless the father who sent me draws him and I'll raise him up on the last day. So man, brother, this has mm. been very beneficial. We are hitting our ending point. Um, and, um, yeah, I, 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 hopefully, hopefully this has been helpful to, to, uh, to, to anyone who might be confused about repentance or feel like they have a disagreement yeah. with, with and, people. And the last thing um, I'll say is that uh, what on, repentance on is, fence, is it's so. God bringing you to, into everything you're supposed to be. be, because what we are supposed to be as humans and especially as mm. Christians is those who delight in God and, and what repentance is, is it's God healing us. He, uh, there's a line in a song by 10th Avenue North um, that goes, yeah, you break me to bind me. Lord, you Ooh. cut me to touch me. And so it is it, like repentance mm. hurts. And it is God wounding you in certain ways, but it is to heal you. And it is to bring you into, into greater happiness, into yeah. greater joy um, by setting you free from your sins. So that's what the only thing I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's so good, man. And, um, and I, and I think that brings up an important, important point that I'll, that's I'll just right. close on is that um, he does this out of love for us. So both, uh, 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 types of, or, or uh, times of repentance, both at salvation, the That's initial right. repentance and thereafter are all done out of God's love. And I, I I'm mm. currently reading the cross of Christ in preparation for Easter and uh, by John Stott. If you haven't read it, pick it up. It's very, very long, but it's really good. And what a quote that stood out to me today was um, that the, this is actually 
stop quoting P.T. Forsyth, but he says the atonement did not procure grace. It flowed from grace. That's so and good. God does not That's love so us good. because he died mm, for us. The love of he God. He died man. for us because he mm. loves us. You know, so the love of God in repentance yeah, gift. Is, is unique or, or, or intimately tied to it. So um, it's a gift. Yes. So, all right. With that, yes, we will you close. too. Uh, you too. Well, I, I, uh, stay healthy. I you stay healthy, Colin. Before we <laughs> you, started, so that uh, <laughs> I wouldn't get 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 the uh, virus over over the podcast. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> so I work for just really quickly. I work for a company that um, that that does TV ratings. And we basically, all of our work has been suspended during all of this, our field work. But we've had people unplugging all of our equipment in their home out of fear that they'll get the coronavirus (laughs) through the electric currents. I kid you not. (laughs) Like, we'll call them and be like, hey, the equipment isn't working. And they go, yeah, we unplugged it. We don't want to get the coronavirus. (laughs) We're like. What? Okay. So y'all unplug everything. Oh man. Well, man, Josh, thank you so much, man. This has been a beautiful. So. so thank you guys for listening. So thank you for coming back to God for to uh for God and neighbor. So yeah. Come back next Peace time. Peace out.